Welcome to Adult Papers. I'm your host, Lunar Violet. You know, I have to say this. I am really good at critique. That's one of the benefits of art school training. When it comes to visual art, I'm really good at taking critique. Again, it's just training. I'm getting better at taking critique when it comes to writing. I did talk about that in Kindred versus Kindred, but damn, do I talk a big game about it just has to be good because now that I'm going to be directing my own short film, I think I'm going to be directing it. I have a conversation about that coming up. I mean, that was the point of the grant, but I'm like, you know, how is it going to be when people critique my film because I haven't been trained in how to take film critique although I can still dish it so you know I gotta get a burner at it and it's like that whole Ira Glass quote that he says like when you're first starting out at something you know what good is and that's what gets you into the thing and that actually is partially my interest in directing is because I see film and movies as an art and have enjoyed them, especially horror films. And my God, I want to do that. But um, I don't know if I can pull it off. I don't know yet. He says, you know, your good taste is what gets you in the game. But when you first start out, you're not any fucking good. And no one tells you that. Like no one tells you when you first start out, you're going to be shitty. (laughs) You just got to keep going till you get good. And, um, yeah, since I have so many creative practices that I do that I kind of rotate through throughout the years, the whole getting good process, it's like a very slow climb. It's, it's, it's not a fast acceleration that happens because I'll do something and then I'll switch to something else and then to something else and then to something else. And then two years later, I'll come back to like, say, podcasting again, whatever it happens to be. You know, they did teach us that, that one semester that I thought I was a painting major. It's one of the good things I learned. Um, besides the fact that, you know, that, I mean, that was a really uh, rigorous painting program at my ed, and it was great, but not for me. But um, that's one of the technical things that I learned that I do in my art now is like have three or four projects going that way while one painting is drying, you can be working on another and you're always productive. You're not wasting any time. And that's kind of how I do, period. Um, But it does, I think cause some confusion when I talk to people I'm like oh I just I just wrote a whole EP with my with my friend you know like we were high and playing guitar and we wrote like four songs which happened in like June of 2022 and um I still haven't recorded those I mean it's hard for our schedules to line up he's always traveling to New York when I don't have my child (laughs) and so it hasn't happened. We haven't recorded those songs, but that's just an example. It's like I tell my friends I'm so excited, like, oh my god, I just wrote four songs yesterday, and then six months goes by and they never hear the fucking songs, and it's just because things are on rotation, and now podcast, and then this year is going to be the short film, and then who fucking knows what's next after that, so rotation rotation why did i open my big mouth in the first place to say that i am aware that you know my um 
creative endeavors are not up to the level of critique that I offer <laughs> so readily to other people's projects. Um, but I still welcome critique to my own projects because how else will I get better? I may cry. It depends on the delivery. You got to do the whole positivity sandwich. You know, that's what I learned in teaching. You got to say, this thing was done really well. You could improve this. And this is a, another thing that's done really well. You know, put the shit in the middle. It's easier to swallow like that. When I don't get a positivity sandwich, I can I can get my little feelings hurt because then I'm just like, is there anything about what I do that's good? And I think I did a little positivity lasagna in the Kindred versus Kindred. It may not have been a sandwich because it was lots of layers, but I, I said some good things and then some critiques and then some good things. So anyway, let me have it about whatever you want. I mean, that would mean that you're engaging with the fucking creative shit that I make. So go for it. The worst thing that can happen when you when you share something creative is just fucking radio silence, which I have experienced plenty of. Plenty of. So I can endure it. I can take it. But critique, engagement is better, obviously. And now back to our regular programming. I wrote this episode with the intention of writing about Venus and pleasure, and perhaps explaining to myself and whoever would listen why I'm the type of creator I am. But much like the final name of the episode, I end up having too much fun writing just about play and pleasure to bother researching the meaning of Venus and pleasure though that sounds like fun for another day. When Issa was still a baby, but she'd reached the toddler stage and was sleeping in her own bed through the night, I finally had a chance to kind of breathe and realize that I hadn't done any serious writing, songwriting or creating, period, since she was born. So I decided to start getting up at 5.30 every day to make time to write. Maybe they'd be poems. Maybe they'd be lyrics. It didn't matter. I just needed to create again. I put my little desk next to my bed, the same desk I write this on now, which was a desk me and my abuela found on the side of the road prepped for the dumpster. It looked like it still had some life in it, and it is solid wood, so we dragged it to our living room. Come to think of it, we got much of her furniture that way. Walking the neighborhood and dragging pieces home that had run their course in someone else's life, but were just beginning their run in ours. I remember once, when we brought home a couch with a pull-out bed, which I slept on many nights, the one with the metal bar that ran straight through the middle of the mattress that sagged on either side, and no matter how you tossed or turned, you could never stop it from gouging into your back. Anyway, after we'd gotten it home, we'd found its hidden surprise. What must have been hundreds of roaches, big water bugs, that had made a home of the couch, and as soon as it got dark, they just poured out of it. 
I ran away screaming, and Abuela stood bravely to battle. She clearly won because we had the couch for many years, and like I said, I, along with many others, slept in its secret bed many a night. The desk became where she'd sit and balance her checkbook, which she did with alarming regularity. As an adult, though, it makes sense and puts me to shame. How that woman ran a household, making $7 an hour is a mystery to me, but she did it, and she did it alone, and with good credit too. Anyway, this desk has been with me for years, and has seen many epochs, both my own many faces and her own as well. I think by the time I started my morning writing practice again, I'd passed my black and white phase, so it had been stripped and stained the honey color it remains today. I kept up my 5.30am writing practice as long as possible, until a change in life circumstances switched up everything, including where we were living and who we were living with. Once it became just me and Issa, it was harder to find a regular practice for anything, though I think at that time I opted for a 4.30 wake up to ride my Peloton bike and cry. Because I had the self-awareness to acknowledge that as a newly single mom, those Peloton rides were what was keeping me alive. To be clear, I did not intend to cry through my rides, it just happened most days. Best believe though that I did get off that bike feeling like I could make it through another day and that was the purpose. So the year of 2019 was the adjusting to single motherhood year and 2020 was, well, we all know what 2020 was. And 2021 was kind of like 2020 but now we had to go back to work in our anguish and our masks. And 2022 the infamous 2022, the year the transphobic governor and AG of Texas kicked us out of our state, so I moved our asses to LA. I won't get into that, that's a whole motherfucking book, not just a podcast episode. But 2022 is coming to an end. By the time this episode is released, it will already be halfway through March of 2023. That's pretty wild. By writing this, I've become a time traveler. Anyway, we've been in LA almost six months, though it doesn't feel like it. It feels like we've been here only a few weeks, but I think that's because I've only had a few weeks to breathe and kind of plant my feet and look around. All that to say, we've been here long enough now and things are quote, settled enough that I've revived my morning writing practice. It's funny because when I first started up again, I was worried. I wasn't sure why I was doing it. I worried that my time would be better spent getting the extra sleep or doing the pelly rides again. I was worried that my muse wouldn't show up anymore because I had taken such a long hiatus. And I think that was the real fear, that I'd open up my laptop and have nothing to say. Thinking about that now makes me laugh the fuck out loud and probably anyone who knows me too. I think growing into an adult inevitably ends up putting too much focus on the why. 
Why get up and write? What purpose does it serve? It's an understandable question. Time is both my most precious and my most scarce resource, so whatever I use it for must be up to snuff. But pleasure, pleasure with a capital P is the purpose. Play is the purpose. To feel alive is the purpose. Because I won't always be. And if I don't feel alive while I'm alive, then what's the fucking point? That's got me to thinking about Paul in Willa Cather's story, Paul's case. And that phrase, kitchen odors, ooh, it makes me shudder still. I viscerally relate to Paul, somewhat dangerously so. There were days that I thought I'd end up like Paul because I'd gotten myself too saturated with the mundane. Luckily, my morning writing practice is an antidote. As are my instruments, my condenser mic, my Ableton Live, and frankly, this podcast. Here's the definition of play from the book Homo Ludens, a study of the play element in culture. Play is a voluntary activity, having its aim in itself, and accompanied by a feeling of tension, joy, and the consciousness that it is different from ordinary life. Reminds me very much of Octavio Paz's definition of eroticism, that it exists for the sake of itself, which also reminds me of religious texts and the concept of being in the present moment. I'm not a scholar of the Bible or any such Western religions, but I do remember reading somewhere that someone, maybe God, said, I am that I am. And to me, that sums it all up nicely. I am that I am, so I fuck that I fuck, and I play that I play. I don't fuck to procreate, I don't play to make a buck, though that would be nice considering the price of rent in LA. I honestly never understood sports until I read that chapter on the play concept as expressed in language. Of course people love sports. Of course they love to watch sports. If you can't actually play the sport, what's the next best thing? I got an electric typewriter again. It's my third. I had two in the course of the last 20 years that I bought, then donated, bought, then donated. This time I'm gonna keep the motherfucker and if I can be stuffed into a one bedroom apartment with a seven year old and hold on to the typewriter that is the size of a small child, you know I mean it this time. I wanted to play with the feel of words again, the way they used to feel, before Google Docs. The author of this book also ventures to call the category of play one of the most fundamental in life. I would certainly agree, as would Paul from Paul's case, I dare say. The word play is even associated in different languages with concepts like shining and radiance the movement of wind or waves, enjoying the moonlight, fluttering like a bird or flickering like flames, sex, strife, and even death. According to the author's research into the etymology of the word play, the one thing that play is not is work. He says, 
the opposite of play is earnest, also used in the sense of work. He then goes on to take two pages explaining the linguistic antithesis between play and work. Forgive me if I quote the whole last paragraph of this chapter, but there must be no doubt left in your mind. Leaving aside the linguistic question and observing the play-earnest antithesis somewhat more closely, we find that the two terms are not of equal value. Play is positive, earnest negative. The significance of earnest is defined by and exhausted in the negation of play. Earnest is simply not playing and nothing more. The significance of play, on the other hand, is by no means defined or exhausted by calling it not earnest or not serious. Play is a thing by itself. The play concept, as such, is of a higher order than is seriousness. For seriousness seeks to exclude play, whereas play can very well include seriousness. Mic drop to this entire fucking culture. Imagine what a different kind of society we'd live in if the question wasn't, so, what do you do for work? But, what do you do for play? Imagine a society that saw play as a given, that assumed everyone had time for play. That would obviously never work in late-stage capitalism because too many people be breaking their backs working for less than a living wage. Big Sigh, the covert capitalist inculcation. Someday, that will be the unfortunate name for this chapter of human history. Thank you for listening. If you like my often visceral, sometimes grotesque reflections, please subscribe and leave a review. I do it all. The music, the research, the writing, the editing, even the art. You can read my other ruminations in the form of fiction, creative nonfiction, and poetry, or hear my experiments in sound and voice, sometimes called music, at adultpapers.com. You can subscribe to my substack at lunarviolet.substack.com to get every episode emailed to you with conveniently clickable links. And if email isn't your thing, they're also available in the Substack app. If you like to get weird, find me on Insta at Adult Papers, or Twitter, if it still exists, at The Lunar Violet. I'm also directing my first short film, so look forward to that in the near future. Join me again in two weeks for more Reflections from the Coil.